Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode 179 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. For this week's episode of the podcast, I sat down and had a long conversation with a wonderful interior designer living in Denver, Colorado, Nikolai Alexander. Nikolai frequently collaborates with artists of all types and has a great deal of insight as to how to best engage with other creatives to collaborate and work together on a project. Nikolai and and I discussed some interesting topics this week, including how he got into interior design, how photographers can collaborate with interior designers, how COVID-19 has inspired him and other artists to work collaboratively, how to have an entrepreneur's mindset in your photography, and much more. Over on Patreon this week, Nikolai answers several listener questions from our Facebook group, including how do interior designers choose between stock photography versus working directly with photographers, what percentage of interior designers' processes are tied to artwork? Uh, how, do, how well do abstract and more intimate subjects work for interior design projects? And many other questions. All right, well, let's get to the show. Nikolai Alexander, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this this chat, and uh, mm-hmm. I know that our listeners have been as well because I think a lot of our listeners love to hear the perspective of other types of artists. And you happen to be an interior designer, which is like an interesting cross section because. I think a lot of photographers have always dreamt of working with interior designers as kind of a collaboration. So, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. So obviously, well, not obviously, but I think it's fairly safe to say that most of our listeners maybe have never come across your name before. And so I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. I um, was born and raised in Colorado. So I grew up in Elizabeth, Colorado. Um, kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I spent 18 years here until I joined the Air Force, kind of right after 9-11, and uh, left for about five years uh, as an airborne battle manager in the Air Force before coming back here to go to school as an interior designer. Um, So I've spent basically since 2007, a good part of like 13 years as an interior designer, and then over that time, uh, eight years as a d- interior designer and project manager for the federal government, and many years kind of bouncing around different design firms, get, gaining experience. And then most recently, three years ago, started uh, Nikolai Alexander Studios um, as my own design firm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what inspired you to join the Air Force? <laughs> you know, it... I think for me at the time, it was such, it was a total left field moment. I, you know, I was student body president, like very much just like a glee kid that thought I was going to do musical theater and very, very creative. And then 9-11 happened and I just had this moment where I felt like, you know, I want to do something about this, but I'm stuck in the middle of the country and I have no, I have no way to do anything. And so it was kind of a, 
at the at the time not a very well thought out decision to be honest. <laughs> like, um, I'll just do this, and then I don't have to worry about where to go to school. And um, it ends. It ended up being such a great decision for many many reasons, but uh, it was mainly just about you know wanting to support our country and not really knowing how to do it in a different way. You know, and I came from a military family too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've I've heard that from from other people in the past in terms of how nine eleven kind of changed the way they thought about themselves as a as a member of this country. And yeah, and I remember I remember I was in graduate school, and uh, I'll never forget. I, I was actually living in Colorado Springs at the time, and uh, you know, it's lots of Air Force bases and things of that nature, and it was pretty pretty scary. Uh, but also, I, I kind of remember feeling some of those same kind of thoughts, like this is going to be a moment that's going to shape us all, you know, and yeah, definitely did. <laughs> well, and it's so weird because, you know, you try to look back at those times and think, like, really, what was the reason? And and I can't tell you that it was fully thought out at the time. It, may, it was maybe trying to prove people wrong. It was trying to, like you know, reach out and do something about something dramatic that happened in our country. Um, but ultimately it was about being 18 and making a quick decision. It was like, Oh, well, I don't have to worry about all these other things cause they're going to pay for my school. And like, they, they had all these different ways they, you know, kind of catch you and get you in, interested. But, you know, I met all my best friends and I'm married to the person I'm married to and have the degree and do, I work as an interior designer, all based on that decision. You know, re- everything sort of led off of that. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it set you set you down a path. I'm curious, uh, how does one go from serving in the Air Force during post 9/11 to coming to the conclusion that they should take up interior design? You know, I think. Part of it is I went into it like having my brother and my grandpa and my dad, stepdad all in the military. So I, I just following in their footsteps, I had some understanding of what that would be like. Um, I didn't have maybe the full, you know, just like any experience, I didn't have the full idea of what that would be like. And at least for me, it was, you know, serving during Don't Ask, Don't Tell and specifically during 9-11 was really, really hard to be me and be in the, in the military. Um, so that was really kind of what led me away from it. I loved the job. I loved what I ended up, you know, doing airborne battle management. Um, but ultimately it, it wasn't going to be, at least at the time, like I couldn't be myself openly in any way. So, it, it basically you're at work every day with people that are like your brothers and sisters and have to lie every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it ultimately led me to get out of the military and I ended up wanting to become a designer mainly because I, I wanted to do something that was creative, but was still professional. Um, I didn't necessarily want to be, you know, an event planner or, or many other things that are still awesome. I just wanted something that was still a little bit more like professional. I could get some certifications and degrees in and also be kind of abstract creative mind, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, that's cool. I'm curious, you know, serving in the military, I I personally have not served in the military, but um, I'm guessing that, uh, 
you know, out of some form of necessity that probably changes you as a person and, you know, in terms of rigidity and following rules and things of that nature. I'm curious if your time spent serving in the military uh, helped form the type of interior designer that you became? Like, did it have any influence on your creative side at all? I think it did. You know, what's, what's interesting is even going through high school, even though I was, you know, a musician and a performer in terms of like theater, which is really what I thought I was going to do. Um, I didn't necessarily take art classes. I didn't think about being a designer or an artist in that sense. Um, I think sometimes going through an experience like the military where I'm flying a plane and doing surveillance for, you know, the Air Force, it, it was so extremely opposite of how my brain works. Like I'm a intensely imaginative, abstract, creative thinker that I, I knew for sure that I didn't want to do that type of career for my life. You know, I, I didn't think it was going to be interior design that ended up kind of on a, a whim. I took a job as a design assistant at a firm and that's what sort of sparked my interest when I got out of the military. Um, but ultimately I think it did help me with my creative mindset to be in the military because it was so opposite of how I wanted to, to live my day-to-day life that it sort of drove me the other direction. Like, nope, that's not what you're going to be doing. And, and you have, you need to go over here and use that side of your brain again. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It seems like it gave you perspective and, yeah. <laughs> probably made you more appreciate the the part of yourself that was perhaps missing through that part of your life. Yeah. I I think it also prepared me for one of the positive sides about the military is, you know, um, when I was serving at least, I don't know how it is now, I people are volunteering, people want to be there, so you're you're really working with very highly educated, top-notch people that want to be doing their job. Um, And so that kind of inspired my work ethic. So, you know, individually, even if I'm not at a firm, it set me up to, you know, be an entrepreneur to know how to kind of drive myself and lead other people, um, because that's a big part of, you know, running a business. And so I think that the foundations of who I am, even as a, uh, not only as a person, but as a business owner really came from that too. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Uh, I feel like you know, going into the military, if you take it seriously like that, it can really teach you a lot about discipline and, yeah. um, and gives you a lot of appreciation and perspective around aspects of running a business that perhaps most artists or artistic people might not have totally available to them <laughs> at least not easily <laughs> exactly and i and i think that's the hardest part even as a business owner and i do that well i i still run into that you know really what i want to be doing is is creating conceptual design and really abstract concepts all day but you know you've got to do taxes and quickbooks and and all the and run you know reports for employees and that, that aspect, I, I don't think I would have been prepared for had I not had to do that in the military and in the government for so long. Right. Answer emails and 
go on yeah. podcasts and yeah, respond <laughs> <laughs> and like and like send people designs that are very concrete but you know it's an abstract idea <laughs> yeah yep exactly uh, yeah that's a good point well maybe that's a really good segue to talk about something i would i would love to hear from you as an interior designer and you know the the venn diagram of interior design and landscape photography i feel like there's quite a bit of overlap or at least a lot of landscape photographers including myself would like to think there is in terms of you know like oh in a perfect world i would love to have a bunch of interior designers that i could partner with to showcase my artwork so how do how do you collaborate with uh artists and the clients that come to you to redesign their spaces and what does that process look like i think you know just like you know photography and and you running your business compared to another photographer that really design can be very much the same way um that you know each person is sort of operating you know very differently than the other i i think in terms of my business i created the company based on experiences i had working at other firms as well as working in the government and not necessarily that all of that was bad i really really amazing experiences with all those jobs but but recognizing that there was a better way to do this process. So a lot of times you're at another firm and, you know, one of them might just be conceptual and do some really light floor plan sketches and then just put a lot of fluffy language around what that's going to be like and then hand it over to the client and say like, okay, now you go get all these things yourself and hire contractors yourself. And it <laughs> not only does the project not turn out exactly how you're expecting it, but then you don't get to follow through and really see that project to the end. Um, we, we do things from concept. So you don't, you might have a blank space. You might have a open plot of land. You might have halfway remodeled space, wherever that starting point is. We take it from that through like 3d modeling all the way to hire, helping to hire contractors and actually getting everything built, including specifying all the furniture and art and products that go into the space. Um, so in terms of working directly with, say, a photographer or some other artist, we would like to collaborate with them right from the get-go. So uh, you know, when we're in those initial stages with the client, if I'm I'm working with you or I have a kind of an established relationship where I understand your artwork and your photography, what you're trying to put out there. Um, I can find ways up front to incorporate it into my design as part of the presentation. And that way they're already sold on it by the time we get to specifying and buying because they've seen your piece or your pieces inside of their space. And it ties into the idea so well that they have to have it if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I I feel like I've always kind of just, I don't know, imagined the process in my brain in terms of, you know, someone coming to an interior designer, like maybe they're building a new house or a, or an office building or whatever. And, and, you know, they're like, Oh, we, you know, we like, um, we like nature scenes. And then you're like, aha, I have an idea for that. And, uh, and then you kind of, pitch different I don't know renderings of various imagery that you've that you know about I guess one of the 
follow-ups I have to that is um, on the uh, the artist side of things. Yeah. How how can how can photographers better collaborate and or anticipate what an interior designer might be looking for in terms of a working relationship? I, for me, anyway, because um, like I said, I also have worked at firms where they often think of artwork and photography as an add-on at the end, or they're not necessarily fully conceptualizing a space and like framing it in a particular way and scaling things in a particular way. We tend to try to try to think of those things from the beginning. And the way for me to do that, you know, more successfully is to have these established relationships where for instance, me and you were on this podcast, we catch up over coffee or we, I really want to have an idea of not only what work you've done, but what work you're doing. Um, because I use those things almost like the markers in my toolbox, like in a rendering or in an idea, I already have a very solid idea of what you're doing or what you're about to do. And that way I can try to bring those things in, um, as opposed to, you know, if I didn't have that relationship and I didn't have an idea of your art, I may not ever think of you. I might not even like contemplate your work specifically just because we haven't established that dynamic. So I, I think for me and maybe for other designers, that is the key is we have 50 different artists we might be have relationships with, but maybe half those are people that keep in touch with us regularly and stay in front of us. Mm -hmm. We will remember and work with those vendors and artists more often because of the relationship. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I might have a library of a hundred different companies on my shelf that sell desks, but the one that is in my office all the time showing me things or I know, well, I'll probably remember more often to put into things if that, that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So f- from a from an artist's perspective, it seems to me that the key to this is to establish and develop and maintain a relationship that is collaborative in nature. I agree. Yeah, I what's funny is if even I had to look at the projects this year of the artwork that went into those projects Um, those were either established relationships where say a year ago I had really connected with this one particular artist that does these custom paintings. It was in the back of my mind. I wanted to work with him. I didn't end up working with him until almost a year later, but then he got almost a whole house of custom paintings that he got to do. Um, and, and an artist from out of state who had been sending me his mandala photography, um, over the course of a few months, I ended up doing that just because it was specific to this design and then specific to our city. And it was in front of me several times. Um, I don't know. I, that's just me personally. I know other, other designers might, you know, go to New York city or go to LA, but I'm more of a relationship based designer where I want to connect with people that are doing things that inspire me and we're inspiring each other. And then I want to find ways to pull that into what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. What uh, what would you say to um, 
to a photographer that maybe has never worked with a interior designer before, like how do they, how do they get themselves in front of you in terms of having them be somebody you remember? <laughs> you know, I think, I think that one thing that, you know, other photographers can think about and even other artists is, you know, a lot of interior designers are just like other artists. They tend to be a little bit more creative, emotional. So they're, they're going to remember the relationships or people that they feel like they're really trying to connect with them and not necessarily just like, Hey, I have this piece come by it tomorrow. Um, and the reason is, is, you know, you can kind of get bombarded with that. We get so many requests for products Mm -hmm. and pieces and, and portfolios, but the, the main way is to stay in front of designers, even if it's, just a quick email that's showing like, Hey, here's the last four pieces that I did and the sizes and the medium. Like I'd love to catch up with you about it. Or how are you doing? Like what's, what projects are you working on? Those will initiate those conversations so much easier than um, a lot of times we'll get like a mailer that has, Hey, we're having a sale on this or buy this piece. A lot of that stuff just gets put into a pile, you know? (laughs) <laughs> um, and that's just the truth of it. It's just so much stuff that yeah. the, the thing that always stands out to me is, is just staying in kind of constant contact. Um, because then you kind of bubble up to the top several times in a month. You're like, Oh yeah, I want to look at what you sent me. Yeah. I, I can tell you what doesn't work. Um, <laughs> back in 2017, I got, I got laid off from my job and I was like, well, maybe I should, try to lean into my photography more. And so I remember, um, I think I jumped on LinkedIn or something and I was, you know, how you get those unsolicited messages oh, right. from people yeah. to connect and stuff like that. And I was desperate cause I had no income. So I was searching for interior designers and I was just peppering them with, Hey, if you ever need a Colorado landscape images for a project you're working on, think of me, you know, and like, oh, literally that, 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 that did not yield any results for me. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's equal, equally important advice. <laughs> what yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, when you get desperate, you try all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, you have to th- throw it at the wall. I've learned more lessons by making not necessarily mistakes, but by trying things in, in those types of ways than I have just doing one thing over and over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't um, work. Oh, well, move on. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And just, awesome. and nowadays it's just so much more interesting about not only like how to sell, you know, get your work in front of people that want it, but to also like physically try to get your work in front of people, because I, I think that really does have more of an impact than, online purchasing, um, especially with art. Uh, I think, you know, getting creative around how you can physically get some of your work in front of people in various parts of town, uh, so that they can see it in real life. Yeah. It's, it's very important. It's hard though. And you, like I live in a rural town away from any big city centers. So that that can become challenging. It can. (laughs) It can. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we're not only um, interior designers, but we do, you know, 
all everything in the entire space. So sometimes that can get into like custom, you know, fabric panels that we've helped design and and art large art pieces and wall murals and so we've had to get creative about that same thing. Like how can I physically get little vignettes of my design style around the city so that when somebody sees it, they get the actual feeling of what a space feels like that we've designed. Um, Because, because of a lot of our designs are in people's homes, it's difficult to really try to get that out in front of people because, you know, people aren't touring everyone's homes all the time. So. Ah, and hence the uh, parade of homes was born. Yes, exactly. Come see all of this really expensive work I've done in my house, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly why. Like some of my best ideas have come off of those types of tours or like getting pictures off of those types of tours because you really never get a chance to get in there unless there's a magazine article. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, obviously uh, people that are in the, um, I guess, creative space, you know, the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic has certainly, I'm guessing, had a, an impact on, on your life. Um, I know for a lot of photographers, I've heard the whole gamut from people having the best months of their life in terms of sales. Yeah. And I've heard some people complaining about it being the worst. So what what has been the impact on this recent pandemic on your particular industry and and kind of your outlook on on the way that you see the world in terms of art and small business and things of that nature? I think it, it has absolutely affected it, um, for me anyway. I think there are certain businesses that are more established or have, you know, more of a, say, a retail component or some, some way that they're getting clients, you know, in, whether that's money for marketing or branding. Um, we, we were in this unique position where we, for like two and a half years, we were really working through this, you know, business plan of hiring people in a particular fashion. And when we had got to February of this year, we were really peaking in terms of the best my business has done, like closing out five projects and then starting up five new projects all within like a four week period. And uh, basically all the five projects that were starting up all stopped uh, when COVID hit. So we went from the busiest I've ever been to nothing happening at all. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And it's mainly because contractors weren't sure if they could be in people's homes and then people mm-hmm, didn't want mm-hmm. contractors in their homes. Um, so yeah, we, we went, we did do a lot of purchasing for clients during that time period, which we still were able to make, you know, some money off of, but there's, there really wasn't like physical projects happening up until a few months ago. Um, and surprisingly I have picked up work out of the state. Um, there is a lot of people that are at home and interested in redoing their space or redoing their office because they don't have an office in their house. And so that sparked a lot of like very specific work in people's homes over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's been, that's been my experience. There was a, there was a huge lull and then people were all working from home and putting more focus into their home. And Mm -hmm. I personally got a lot of inquiries and closed a few sales on people that are 
you know, like, oh, I need some artwork for my office or my living room that I'm now working out of 24 seven, yeah, you exactly. know? So, so I think it's, um, it's definitely been an interesting time to kind of try to adapt to, but I was curious to hear a little bit about, you know, how has, how has this situation inspired you and other artists and entrepreneurs in terms of changing the way you approach how you do your business? I, you know, I have to admit, initially, it sent me in the other direction, you know, with everything that was going on in the world, I was like, you know, is this really the most efficient thing I could be doing with my time? Like, I'm going to go work know, at Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just was, I, I was like, maybe I need to go become a doctor. I don't feel like this is really what I want to be doing. And it's, it's a, it's a natural reaction to like mm-hmm. what was mm-hmm. happening in the world and all everything kind of shutting down. But I really started to get back into the right mindset, you know, three, almost four months ago, where, you know, now is a very important time for people to pay attention to the world that they're living in, because it's become a little bit smaller, like you're, you're either stuck in your little office, not a lot, not with a lot of people or stuck in your house, maybe with lots of people, and maybe it's not functioning the way that the best that it could be. So it's really it does affect people's psychology to be stuck in spaces that aren't, you know, beautiful and functional. And, and that really you can improve people's health and happiness by, you know, designing their space in a different way. Um, so I think it inspired me to go the other direction of, you know what, like now is a very important time to be paying attention to these things. And, um, as soon as that shift happened, actually a lot of work started to flood in around the same time. Um, also thinking about things in a cr- more creative way. I was, I'm in the process of trying to launch a lifestyle product line. So a lot of products that directly reflect our design aesthetic. Um, so that's collaborating with artists and also kind of curating pieces based locally based on kind of our aesthetic and that that seemed dead to me like uh, you know people aren't going to be shopping in a retail space the same way that they were before you don't want to take on a ton of debt in the middle of something like this Um, but there's very creative ways to to do that and so it completely shifted the business mentality of of okay maybe it doesn't need to be a retail space maybe we can rent out, you know, a space inside of a, uh, a bar where it's one wall and we're paying very minimal rent to have it in there temporarily as like a pop-up idea. And so it, I think honestly, it took me in a totally different direction and that is good because that's what design is all about is staying flexible and not getting too stuck in your own ways. Well, that kind of is the whole definition of an entrepreneur, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like the ones that are, the ones that are thinking of those types of ideas are the ones that'll stick around. I, you know, I saw this really creative idea. um, I think the restaurant's called Rioja in downtown Denver, where instead of having everyone in the restaurant, they're having these, you know, uh, kind of private nights where the chef has uh, a limited menu and you pay 99 bucks for wine tastings and this kind of 
you know, hand done uh, menu. But instead of being at the restaurant, they package up all the wines along with the menus and foods and deliver it to your house. And then you have this experience at your house and everyone's kind of having it at their house at the same time. And that to me is like brilliant because you can still have a very beautiful, amazing experience without having to physically go to the restaurant to do it. What, what do you think is the, uh, I don't know, the, the mindset or the, the critical ingredient uh, that, that seems present in the organizations and people that instead of, you know, oh, I'm just going to do the things the way it is and complain if it doesn't work versus people that are like, let's just try this crazy idea. You know, what, what is the, what's the critical ingredient in all that? I, for me anyway, I think that the thing that started to separate me from kind of, you know, I was working at the government before this, I was working for the 10th circuit court of appeals. And then before that, the general services administration. So really good paying job, really good benefits, all of the things, you know, the job I could stay out for 40 years and retire from. Um, but the thing that starts to separate people that, that goes to, that go towards like entrepreneurship or having ideas like that is, uh, letting go of the fear of failure for me was a big, big jumping or, you know, a leap for me. Uh, a lot of times it's easier to let other people be in charge. It's easier to not, not try to pursue any of your ideas or personal goals because, what if you fail? What if you have no money? What if everything ends? What if your relationship fails? Like the list never stops. Um, but, but I started to realize like nothing, everything that is in the world, including the buildings and the restaurants and the festivals and the, you know, the music, the one thing we've learned in COVID is that all of that can stop. Like that doesn't have to exist. It exists because creative entrepreneurs, are out there doing this so that we can experience it. And, and that I think will shift and mold and, and change over, over the next two years really, but it's really losing that fear of failure. Um, you're going to fail. Like that, that's the, uh, that's the deal is that if you're going to step into the arena and try a new idea or a new business or, you know, a new partnership with friends or colleagues, you might fail and you will fail at something along the way. That's, that's the scary part, but you also will learn a lot from that failure. Yeah. I mean, fear of failure definitely prevents people from doing really amazing things. And honestly, I, uh, not to digress too much, but, uh, one of my absolute favorite books when I was in college was a book by a psychologist and a Holocaust survivor named Viktor Frankl, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. And um, he, it's his, it's basically his experience of living in a concentration camp. And um, obviously, this isn't quite the same as failure, but it's the whole idea of existentialism and how he, he would draw so much joy out of the most simplest things in his day. Like, and to me, like that, that just speaks to no regrets and, and trying to learn the most from the situation. If, and if it feels like a quote unquote bad situation. Yeah. 
And I think that's just so much more of a healthy approach to life. And you can just, you can do so much more in your life if you just allow yourself to make mistakes and have failure and let that inform uh, how you're going to do it differently or better next time. Exactly. And, and realizing that often it's, you know, I'll use this as an example. There's fear around like, okay, I want to become an actor. Okay. Where do I need to go to do that? I have to move to LA. I have to have an agent. I've got to go, you know, audition. And a lot of people will go to, you know, a dozen auditions, two auditions and be told no. And they're, they're like, I failed. I have to go back to the, the life that I was told that I should live. Um, and that, that doesn't, for me, there's no lifelong growth or lessons in that. Like part of what I've learned in the last three years is, you know, I've had partnerships fail, employees that, that left, um, projects that didn't go the way that I wanted money, you know, in and out of different parts of this business have, has been hard, but, every little bit of it is a piece of the story that you get to, you get to write, you know, like, of course I could have quit in six months in a year in two years in, but it's about shifting around, around your own expectations. You know? Yeah. Where I'm at right now is not where I thought I would be three years ago, but I'm a much better place because of all the things I've learned, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of photographers suffer uh, unnecessarily from a lot of these different aspects of failure, and yeah. um, especially risk taking in terms of you know trying something new or oh I'm just going to play it safe because you know there's less risk in that, less pain in that, and I think. Once you overcome that, it can be a really enlightening experience in terms of growth as a person and an artist. I agree. And and I think that artists across the board, but um, I've even myself that we can be our, our own worst critics, you know, like even when you're operating at a really you're you're highly functional and you've got all these creative ideas and you're really pursuing them, there's still this little voice in the back of your head that's like I'm not like this person or I'm not good enough or I'm not making enough or I could be doing this better. And that is just being a human, you know, those things will always be in the back of your mind. Um, I, I remember this, this quote and I can't remember, you know, who said it, but it, it always is in the back of my mind that like your job as an artist is to create your your job is to keep creating. So it's as a photographer or as an interior designer is put all of yourself into that concept and fully evolve that idea and then move on to the next one. Don't sit too long in, in that thing you've created and thinking too hard about what you did or didn't do it. It is created. Now let's move on to the next thing. And that has helped me a lot. You know, Mm. just be proud that you, have this idea that you fully went after it and then move on because every little bit of time you, you either don't do something with it or you judge yourself is time wasted. You, you've got other things you need to create. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, I feel like landscape photographers, particularly a lot of people kind of want, they want like the shortcuts. Like how do I, 
how do I take a really great photograph and how do I get, you know, recognition and how do I make my images the best they can possibly be and be like that guy or whatever. And, and uh, you know, that's appealing for sure. But I think there's a lot of wisdom and um, enjoyment that comes from playing the long game in terms of, you know, making lots of mistakes. And like, I look back on photos I took 10 years ago and I still fondly remember, you know, why I thought it was a good photo or whatever, but I also appreciate all of the different things that I've learned about that photo or about that process or whatever that's made me who I am today. And I think, I think that's equally important in terms of, um, you know, just rounding yourself out as, as a, not only a good person, but a good artist. <laughs> I totally agree. Like I'm the same way. I can look back at spaces 10, 12 years ago that I did. And there are aspects of it where I'm like, that is amazing. That was such a great experience. I'm so happy I got to do that. But part of art is a little bit like fashion. Like, of course, things are going to look different 10 years from now because your mindset has changed. The world has changed. Products have changed. Um, so you know, not being too critical of yourself, like while still learning things from maybe a mistake or two that you made, don't be too critical because you've got so much more to do. And uh, that's helped me a lot because I used to get so caught up and, oh, that, you know, that dimension is off or that's crooked or this, this piece totally didn't turn out how I wanted. And, and it, it, no one else, including the client will probably ever say anything. It's just stuck in your own head. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, earlier you talked about the fact that a lot of people right now are kind of finding themselves in spaces that, you know, they maybe not haven't been used to being in, in terms of, you know, working from home or in maybe not being the best space or design. So with that all being said, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, how can, design and art change how you live your life? I think to me, it's everything, you know, what can be often overlooked in design is that, you know, architects build the outside of buildings, but designers build the inside and, and we live our lives in designed spaces. Even if you haven't had a designer come and design your, you know, living room or your bedroom, you're living in a space that some someone has thought about the layout and and where the kitchen is in relation to the the, the living room and all the materials that are in there. Um, and here's the thing: is a lot of people may live in in nice spaces or relatively nice spaces, but a lot of people live in you know dilapidated homes or they're in a garden level space that has no windows or they haven't thought a lot about lighting or colors or placement of things and and don't realize necessarily how much that is affecting their psychology. Um, a big part of why they go through cities and try to renovate, you know, certain parts of town and brighten colors and change layouts in the urban planning is about that psychology that, you know, it's proven that there are very particular colors and patterns and, and ways to lay things out that that improves your health and improves your, your mental health, especially. So now, you know, let's, let's give an example of, you know, John, my, as a first name that comes up, lives in a garden level apartment, doesn't have access to daylight, has dark blinds, 
all of his furnitures crammed into his living room and stuff stacked up around him. And he wants to have a well-designed space, but has no concept of how that works. His day-to-day life right now, he is probably high anxiety, lots of depression, and isn't necessarily realizing that it could just be the physical space that he's in and that there are ways to change that to be happier every day. Mm. Um, and that our physical space has a dramatic effect on our, our, our happiness and our anxiety levels and, and how depressed or joyful we are. So with all that being said, I'm curious from, um, you know, flip on the other side of the coin from the people that create things that would go into that space, AKA artists and photographers. uh, Do you recommend that, that photographers uh, try to create imagery that um, would fit inside of a certain aesthetic or should they try to just more focus on the type of art that they are more drawn to? And hopefully it would fit into one of those aesthetics if that worked out. (laughs) I think, I think that because there's such a, a large array of artists in the world, so landscape photographers, like, you know, pictures of architecture, uh, abstract, um, surrealism, that, that the art is really subjective and it not only is dependent upon the artist, but also the person that's buying it and how they feel about that piece being in their space. So I always say that artists and photographers and and creatives should be really conceptually driven and and focusing on, you know, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. So try not to do a hundred different things to try and please everybody, but really narrow in like what is going to bring you as an artist joy? What do you want to put out into the world? And then those things will not always be for everyone. Um, but that you're putting something out there that will speak to lots of people. Um, and in, in a design sense, like I'd rather that anyway, you know, if you as a photographer are, are taking every type of photo that could be possibly taken, it can be overwhelming. Like if you've narrowed your focus, it also helps me have a very clear idea of what you do and keep that in mind rather than saying like, Oh, he does everything under the sun and it gets a little confusing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. So what I'm hearing you say is photograph what makes your heart sing and there will be somebody else who enjoys that as well. Yep, exactly. And, and that's really where the beauty for me comes in with art is like, you know, you might just see a piece on the wall and walk by it you know, in an art gallery. But if you, sat with that artist or you had some idea of what it took to what went into that or what the inspiration was behind that it it brings a new life to the piece and it inspires me to want to put it in a design or inspires the client to want to buy that it really is the story or the the inspiration behind the piece that often will inspire somebody Hmm. so what does that look like um in terms of getting that information conveyed uh, because I know I've heard a lot of, a lot of artists are like, I just want to put my stuff out there and let it speak for itself. But then I think there's other people that are like, I want to tell the story behind the image. So like, like how do you, how do you do that in a efficient or effective way? 
For me, I'll use this as an example. I like to think of my spaces I design as their own story that I can tell. I, I, I definitely will have pieces that are from, you know, West Elm or some big, you know, manufactured company because it's right for the space. But a lot of the decorative or art, artistic pieces or fabrics, I want to have a story behind it. And I will, I personally will come up with little tags that I give to the client inside of a binder at the end that has like a short little paragraph about that piece, whether it's the artist or the medium or what inspired it. And, and the main part or the main reasoning behind that is the client wants to also be able to communicate like, oh, this piece he found here by this artist and we can look at it online rather than like, what a beautiful space. Like, where is all this from? And they're like, I have no idea. Like, it's just right. beautiful. You know, it, it means more when there's a story behind it. And from a photographer's standpoint or another artist standpoint, I would say do that in a way that makes sense to you. I've seen like little short video clips that are available on a website to quickly explain that piece or what the concept was or what inspired, you know, I got really inspired by the process behind these pieces and it has 10 different layers that I really worked hard on that clients love. And so do designers. Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. I, um, actually talked to another photographer on the podcast, uh, last week, obviously it hasn't come out yet, but one of the things he does on his website is he has like these little, uh, sound clips of him just talking about the story behind the photograph, which I thought was yeah. really innovative. I don't think I've ever seen another photographer do that. <laughs> I mean, it's it, to me, there are, there are pieces that stand alone, you know, without words, they move you, but let's say it moves you beyond words on it, you know, in and of itself. And then on top of that, you get to understand the artist or the, what it took to get that piece or that, that, you know, photo, you're going to be moved to a different place where you're like, not only do I love that, but I want it. Like I want it in my life. Um, and, and to me, it's just like a good short film or a documentary or, um, where you truly get to connect with that person that's going to be the thing that sends somebody over the, the edge of actually wanting it. Um, a lot of the times when I pick a piece, that's the reason is I've, I've met the artist or I'm really inspired by this travel that this person went on to get all this work completed. And that is how I sell it to the client too, is telling that little bit of a story to them about the artist or the concept. And then they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Now, one, one thing that I've, I've seen other artists do is, and I guess as a photographer, I've, I kind of see through it because I've been to the places they've been, yeah. but they, they tend to embellish a little bit in terms of like what it took to capture that particular image, like not to call them out by name, but there's a photographer that's pretty famous known as Peter Lick. Yeah. And, um, he, he will do that with his imagery. He will, and I actually don't even know that it's his fault. I think his marketing department does it, but he actually like does these ridiculous descriptions of, of the images that, you know, anyone else who's been to that location knows that it's like, eh, come on, man. Like, yeah, you know, like, that was like a, that was like a 15 minute walk 
from the yeah. parking lot, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. uh, that's, do, 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 can, do you guys have a pretty good bullshit detector when it comes to that stuff? I, I think so. I think for me, it's, it's mainly cause like sexy copy exists everywhere. Like even inside of design, you know, we get brought into these big vendor, big vendors or manufacturers where it's like, giving us like sexy copy about a cubicle and it's like man <laughs> it's just no. a cubicle yeah we're just selling cubicles but love all these words you have you know <laughs> um so yeah there's there for me anyway there's a bullshit detector because uh because i'm an emotional being I, a lot of times it's about the way that the story is being conveyed like i you can almost like tell from that person like this true like connection they're trying to create rather than like a sales pitch, you know? Right. <laughs> um, and, and here's the thing is I'm also a little bit like extravagant and flamboyant. So I love it a little bit, like embellish me, embellish me, tell me a good story and I'll, I'll help you sell your things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, not to stereotype, but I think that uh, oh, I'm going to get shot for this, but you know, I think, the people that might tend to be spending tens of thousands of dollars on a single piece of artwork, they probably kind of like that a little bit, you know, like I agree. I, I completely agree. I think a lot of times those people are relying on you as the photographer or me as the interior designer or an architect to really either assist them with their existing style or to really just uh, help them find what that is number one, because they are making a lot of money and don't have the time or because they truly just want to rely on your creative ability to like tell them what it is that they should be doing or putting in this space. Um, and so for me anyway, I've just noticed that, you know, design, interior design is not just creativity. It truly is a sales process and a purchasing process and very, very detail oriented buying of a lot of things. And in that sales process, it really is a story we're telling them. Like we're, we're the concept we create, say it's, you know, layered and textured and luxurious and um, soft, all, all these things that come up in the beginning. We're also telling them a story about the art and how that ties in to the textures or the area that we're trying to represent. And so it's an easier sell when I can tie in your, your copy, your sexy copy about your, your photos in with that story, because then it makes it so easy to say, Oh, and also you know, here's the price on this art. And they're, they're a lot more, uh, they're quick to buy that rather than if I were to do it the opposite way, which is at the end after they've spent all their money, like, Oh yeah, by the way, we should put in a bunch of art. It will always get cut because they'll find other th things to spend their money on. And they're like, oh, I'll get that stuff later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, maybe it's just my humble upbringing, but every time I hear someone other than myself, <laughs> you know, talk about my photography and like kind of embellishing format, I always kind of, I just, I just cringe. I'm like, Oh, like, that's not how I see it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think some of that's probably imposter syndrome and some of that's just, yeah. you know, like I have a, I place a pretty high value on authenticity. So I don't, I don't like to see me or my products 
talked about in a way that is kind of outlandish, but yeah, I guess if it sells, that's useful. And, and here's the other thing is that story should, at least from my perspective, especially if, if you are the type that really values that kind of quality and authenticity is, is really creating an authentic story. And that story becomes authentic when it's being told by you. You know, when you, right. when you, when you create that dialogue for not only your clients, but you know, designers or anyone else that's viewing your, your work, then that story you're in, you're in control of that. Um, because it's not being assumed by someone else. Um, right. You get to you get to create the dialogue of your work. Well, thanks for thanks for educating us on your perspective. I think a yeah. lot of photographers are always mystified by what <laughs> different people are looking for in terms of you know the artwork that we create. So I appreciate you taking the time to 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 explain that. Yeah, and I think that the other thing to think about is. Like when we talked about relationships, every one of those designers and firms is going to be a little bit different. Some firms are, you know, I want something beautiful, but we have a price point and it needs to be this amount of money and we're going to make this amount of money and then move on. You know, like that, that is a whole nother mindset, but it's really about getting to know that firm, that designer you're working with and how do they look at, you know, artwork in general and pricing those things out. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, Nikolai. So I really want to hear a little bit more about uh, your blog and this podcast that you're you're planning to release. Yeah. So we're we've been working on it throughout the summer and um, only been delayed because you know the whole world's shutting down. But um, <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, it's just a minor minor hiccup. But uh, the idea is that you know we started to to think about this about a year ago of, you know, we have a p very particular design aesthetic that can be very high end and can speak to people that are making a lot of money, but also can speak to somebody that has their first apartment and they're right out of college and they want to design just their living room um, and don't have a lot of money. So what we want to do is be able to help you with where you're at and not necessarily where we want you to be. You know, a lot of designers will say, you know, if you're not coming in with this price point or this budget or this scale of a project, we're not interested. And that's not what we're doing. We, we will take different sizes of projects and have people working on large projects as well as, you know, focusing on smaller end projects. And that started to, to get to a place where, I realized that you have to get in front of people almost to educate them about what design is, why it's important, um, who, who and what is involved in that process. Uh, there are so many interesting stories, uh, not only with the artists, but with clients and spaces that are happening around town that I think there's, there's kind of that missing element in Denver. A lot of bigger cities have interior designers and firms that are that are sharing more of that either through podcasts or vlogs or through their blogs and we want to get in on that we want to we want to be in front of people visually and over a podcast so that's what we've been developing is um interesting stories that will include vendors projects artwork new projects coming up around town and and creating sort of a a space where people can 
ask questions, be part of the, that process in different ways. Um, and then on top of that, providing this lifestyle product line that specifically is products and materials and our design aesthetic that you can easily buy shelves or cups or a light or a succulent arrangement or you know little bits to add to your space that you can purchase immediately without having to have us come in and redesign your whole space it, it helps you you know on the website to almost not have to pay for an interior designer but to be able to buy what we do and put it into your into your place awesome yeah and so when, are, when are you planning on uh, releasing that so we are hoping before November. Um, the only the only reason that we've delayed it is based on the lifestyle product line. We had basically a complete um, dismantling of our original idea, which was a retail location. Um, and what we're attempting to do is to shift some of that to an online platform that will be really unique because it will visually feel like you're in a retail experience. You're not on a website. You're able to kind of move around as if you're in a store. Um, and the other aspect is to really develop the concept of ideas to make sure that they're coming from local artists, coming from, um, you know, we're finding materials from, from places in Denver and finding people to build those items rather than mass manufacturing them from overseas. Um, also, that will help people because they can purchase things immediately as opposed to waiting months on end for something to arrive because things are not shipping out right now. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we've run into that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been, I have, I have that come up on one of the uh, photographs I made for one of my clients. Unfortunately, it, it worked out okay, but my 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 printer print lab was like just so you know it might be a couple of months before we get this material and i was like what like, oh that's very different i know i've had to <laughs> i've had to cancel a lot of orders for even little things that normally would be here in a few days but the universe is like hey slow down it's not going to be here for four months you know <laughs> <laughs> right so, you'll anyway. be okay you'll be okay yeah, it'll, it'll all be okay it's just furniture it's okay <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Nikolai, this has been a lot of fun. And um, I'm curious from your travels, who would our listeners be interested in hearing from here on the podcast? Ooh. Um, you know, I, I do get the opportunity to work with a lot of artists and creatives around town. Um, there's a, uh, somebody named Lindsay who works for Like-Minded. Um, here in Denver, I've really connected with her over the last few years. Like when I had a space in the Rhino area, we sent out like welcome emails and, and letters in the mail to everyone in the neighborhood, just sort of introducing ourselves. Number one, I was very surprised at how many of them responded. It was a lot of people very interested in what we do and trying to connect. But Lindsay specifically is so well connected um, in the Denver art scene and as a company speaks to many of the same values that maybe your listeners and you, you hold like, um, really interested in creativity, growth, um, connection and, and is doing all these interesting art projects in and out of Denver. That's awesome. Yeah. I think 
that would be really interesting to hear from other um, aspects of the industry in terms of collaborating with artists. Because I think, I don't know, there's a lot of really interesting ideas that come out of talking to people that maybe aren't necessarily totally in the exact same space you're in, but maybe in like a tertiary space like you and me. And I think that can lead to some really interesting collaborations and ideas and mm -hmm. business partnerships. So, Well, and, and the connection there, you know, specifically with someone like her, it, it really can go in so many different directions because they also run, you know, not only are they muralists and work on, you know, their own art, but they specifically help with, okay, how do you want to print your art? Do you want it to be wallpaper? Do you want it to be on a piece of furniture? Do you want it to be vinyl or canvas? And they can help you with that too. Um, so it, it helped me not only make a connection with the art I do and put into spaces, but then she helped me connect with like, hey, here's this this event that you should go to and you're going to connect with these three people that I think you would do well with. And it's turned into projects and, and artwork that I wasn't expecting. So cool. Yeah. And I just found yeah. her on Instagram, Lind Z and mm -hmm. lamb. Yep. <laughs> you got it. And, and then you can look at their, their w website too, like-minded, which I think is LK. LKMNDD.com. You got it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of their work too on there yeah that's cool awesome yeah. well, man this has been really fun man i really appreciate you yeah. answering the questions and just opening up and sharing what your experiences have been like and i think i think our listeners will get a lot out of this conversation so i really appreciate it well thank you i'm looking forward to hearing it and then uh thank you for all your listeners with all the great questions that was awesome yeah yeah we have some really awesome fans so so yeah it's been great thanks man awesome yeah no problem thank you all right well thanks to nikolai for coming on to the podcast and for our wonderful discussion today i encourage each and every one of you to reach out in an authentic way to someone that you want to work with and try to foster that relationship you never know where it might take you and your artwork well i want to thank our latest patron steve layman Steve joined 141 of his peers to generously support the ongoing work that I'm doing here on the podcast to try to strengthen our photography community and hopefully provide value to your lives. If you feel like this podcast positively impacts your life, why not join Steve and help, out, help us out over at patreon.com slash listen. For those of you that already have, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you. If there's anything that I can do for you, please do reach out. Next up on the podcast is a photographer that was recently recommended to us by one of our guests, George McCain. George works with veterans using photography to help them overcome various mental and physical illnesses. While I'm actively looking for one or two guests to help me fill a couple of cancellations that we've recently had, thanks to the wildfires out in California. <laughs> if you're listening to this and want to record with me, please give me a shout out. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. We'll see you next week.